Amir Guerrero Jr. 3-2. Guerrero swings and he skies one out to deep right field. Just back at the wall. He turns around. It's gone! An opposite field moonshot from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. His 42nd home run of the season. What's going on, bro? How are you doing? What's going on? Not much. How's, uh, how's the internship going? It's good. It's busy. Um, yeah. Just hectic, busy, learning a lot of stuff, but we're good. We're good. Um, you're good other than the Yankees? Man, everything's going well except for them. Uh, thought I'd get swept yes. by Toronto. So, yeah. I don't know what's going on, man. I really don't. We, well, I mean, we'll talk we've about talked it. about them. I don't know. We'll talk about it a little later. But We'll get into it a little bit. Uh, give me a favorite thing you saw this week. Um, so favorite thing I saw was, um, Albert Pujols returns to St. Louis for the first yeah. time as a Dodger and, uh, gets a standing ovation, you know, like Yachty gives him a hug, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he hits a home run a in bomb. the first at bat. So, Classic. you know, I mean, you wouldn't see it any other way. So, no, no, I actually, I don't know why I thought he had been there as a Dodger before. <laughs> So I don't think he had it as a Dodger, but I'm pretty sure he was there as an angel. Like at right, least I think once. that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was still cool because obviously, like, no matter if he was there as an angel or not, no one would have ever really expected to see him there as a Dodger. So uh, yeah, I also think no, that was kind of interesting. So. But, um, yeah, no man, it's a legend. And definitely the thing with Yachty's sick too, like the brotherhood. Yeah, there, it's it's sick. Oh man. It's, it's it makes you wonder how he ever really left St. Louis. To be honest, you know what I mean. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Looking back, it, it is strange. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. So that was my favorite thing I saw. What do you got? Um. So I just saw a few minutes ago. Apparently, uh, Joey Vado, um, in Chicago the other night. There was a um, a fan sitting close. He he knew a, a like a young fan that was a cancer survivor or was going okay. through treatment. I forget exactly what. But apparently he got the kid gifts. He was talking to him throughout the game, just kind of like over by the on-deck circle um, and just kind of arranged the whole thing for him. It was just being like a super, like a really awesome guy. So I, that's, that's like the second really nice thing like Vado's done this. I, I don't remember earlier in the year, he was kind of, he uh, met this young girl who was a really big fan of him. And they were talking Is that out in him. San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and then he was ejected. But yeah. anyway, yeah. So I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I just... I had no idea he was that like a uh, wholesome of a dude. So, <laughs> props yeah, to Joey like Up until this year, I feel like he was always like kind of a serious type of guy when he's like on the field. Like, right. I've seen him in interviews, and he sometimes he'll joke around. But like, I always thought when he's on the field, like he's a in the game guy. And like now this year, I feel like he's changed a little bit. I don't yeah. know if it's because he's getting older. I don't know what the deal is with that. Could be. Yeah. It's pretty cool to see. Also having us, regardless of off the field, he's having a sick year. Yeah. Really bad. Man, I mean, I think I don't think he would win, but he's got to be in the MVP talks, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Just because of where the Reds are, like without him, they would definitely not be anywhere close to that because of Castellanos and Winker getting hurt. Right. So, uh, yeah, great season for him so far. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, we got we got some news to talk about this week. Um, one thing I really was interested in getting into was the game coming up this Saturday between both of us, Mets, Yankees, um, yeah. on the, what is this now, 20? 20 years after 9-11? I think 20, yeah. So, so, 
It's intense, man. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think I'm both as New Yorkers, it kind of means a little more. It just like hits a little heart closer to home. <laughs> um, but yeah, just I'm looking forward to seeing the pregame stuff. I I knew the Mets announced today they're wearing the first responder caps, so they're gonna be wearing NYPD uh, yeah. in the fire department. So yeah, I think the Yankees think will probably be... end up doing the same thing too because they did that last year. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it will be cool. I think um, I heard also that Joe Torre and Bobby Valentine are going to throw out the first pitches and they oh, were the managers okay, okay. of the teams that year. Um, you know, I think they're going to have really good ceremonies before the game and after, yeah. too. Um, and, I mean, it's it's going to be pretty emotional for the people at the stadium, whether you're a player or a fan or whoever. Um, but I think it's really, like, it's a game and we both want to win, but, like, this is more so going to be taking it all in, really, and um, right. looking back at everything. You know what I mean? Right. And that that's kind of – I was reading the article yesterday about that famous Mike Piazza home run in that first game back. And mm-hmm. um, just, like, how – like, they were like, should we even play today? Like, this is just so soon after. But, like, how yeah. much of a lift it was, at least for the fans. I know mm-hmm. the players were, like, were struggling during that game, rightfully so. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I got chills watching that homer. It's it's crazy. Man, it it shows you what sports can do, like yeah. bringing a community together, no matter what's happened. Like, obviously, that home run was huge. We've seen it when cities get devastated by a hurricane or something like that, and then they play. Um, it's really crazy to to see that sometimes. And I think that like that year later on too, um, the Yankees won the World Series against the Diamondbacks, and I think. Uh, that was when George W. Bush was president. Yeah. And he threw out the first pitch, and it was, like, a perfect pitch. Like, it really – and that was crazy, too. That was obviously about a month and a half later. But right. it's just a, – it's a cool situation when something like that happens, regardless of what happened beforehand. Yeah, because I think that that's a good point. The other thing, too, I know we had – we were in the, the race at that point. We were, like, two and a half games behind the Braves, and we ended up missing the playoffs. But you guys went on a run. And yeah. like, I think, I think every New Yorker, even all the Mets fans were like, <laughs> we want to see the Yankees pull us out and they didn't, but it was yeah. still, it was a great yeah. run. No, yeah, it definitely was. Um, I'm excited to see this weekend. Plus there's going to be good games Friday and Saturday and Sunday because yeah. obviously we're going to talk about it later, but we're both still in the race. So these games do matter. So it's also yeah. going to be a fun weekend in that aspect too. So no, absolutely. But but yeah, yeah, much love to Sydney, uh, city of New York. Like that's Absolutely. my home. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, Giants are the first team to ninety wins. I <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? No, I mean they're. <laughs> if we keep on saying like when are the Dodgers going to get to them, and they just haven't. I, I mean it's close. Like absolutely could. It is close but... still, but um, what are they? I think the Dodgers are two games back. So. It seems like every week they're a game or two back, and it just never changes. So. Right, and I mean, I mean, we don't. I, I'm staying the obvious here, but like, you just don't want to get into that wild card game if you're LA. I feel like any team can beat them if it just as good as oh yeah. I mean, I, as good as Scherzer's been, like it's one game, so he could pitch the best game of his life, and it could be zero zero in the ninth inning, and Joey Votto or. Eric Hosmer could hit a home run and that's yeah. the end, end of your season. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. you, you definitely uh, want to get out of that. 
Do you think I just you mentioned Scherzer? Do you think in that game that they're out Scherzer or Bueller? <sighs> oh man, I don't know. I mean, they did just make the trade for Scherzer, but That's Bueller's true, yeah. like their homegrown guy. I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe Scherzer, because of his experience. I know Bueller now has experience too, but Scherzer has more. Right. I don't know. What would you do? <laughs> that would be an interesting situation. I mean, I feel like the season there right now, Bueller's the Cy Young, sadly, because of Jake missing all the time he has. But I mean, Scherzer's got to be in that conversation, though, too. Oh, no, I absolutely. Know, like, I, I'm it, just that's the crazy part. I know. Yeah. I mean, the injury to, to uh, Kirsch. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously be in there too. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting though. It looks like as of now, LA is going to be playing in that wild card game, but you never know. San Francisco could drop out like we've been thinking they would, and then they still haven't. So, uh, we'll see. Right, if... and plus they're done with the head-to-head matchups too. Like that's it. They are. Yeah. Series, so. so. I mean, we'll yeah. touch on uh, we'll touch on standings a little bit more later, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and similar note, Boston has taken over the wild, the top AL wild card spot from you guys. Yeah. Yes, they have. Hunter Renfro makes... uh, had quite a game yesterday. He did. And none of the Yankees have had quite a game in about a week now. So. No. No, and that, that sounds um, about right. But It's funny, like, when everyone's hot, we're rolling. But once – Two or three guys shut down, the whole team shuts down. That's really like the MO of this team, though. Um, I feel like. Because, like, I, yeah. Uh, I agree. Like, because Judge was so hot and he just kind of got a little cold now. And, like, Stanton did at the same exact time. And then Gallo did too. <laughs> and so you're kind of counting on guys like Gardner and Velasquez and Torres and Gio to step up, and they haven't yet. Yeah. Um, plus, the pitching hasn't been fantastic. It hasn't been horrible, but Tyone hasn't been the same recently. Yeah. Cole, we'll touch on him a little bit later. Um, hoping for the best in that situation. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Boston, give them credit. They've hung around this whole time. And, um, you know, they're only a half game above us, but Toronto is surging. We'll talk about that later, too. And Seattle and uh, Oakland are still hanging around, too. So. It'll be interesting. This is like a five-team jumble that really could go any way, I think, in the next few weeks. So, Yeah, no, definitely. And we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, as well, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which was uh, yeah. yesterday. It was pushed back a whole year because of COVID. But obviously your guy, DJ, in there. Yeah. After a 20-year career. Um, I'll run through uh, a few yeah, of the man. stats, but then I want to hear your thoughts just as a Yankee fan. But Yeah. I mean, 3,465 hits, 14-time All-Star, um, led the AL in hits twice, five-time World Series champion. You know, I don't have to go through all of them, but yeah, it's quite a quite the resume. Oh, man, you know, Jeter's one of my favorites. Um, if you're a Yankee fan, how could he not be? Um, I mean, if you're a baseball fan, how could he not be? Let's be completely honest. Um, He's one of the best postseason hitters of all time. Um, he has he batted above 300 in 158 postseason games. Um, had 200 total hits in the postseason. He was the 2000 World Series MVP. He when he hit 409 against you guys that year 
in the World Series, which is pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, listen, I mean, he was a Rookie of the Year winner in 96. Um, he finished in the top three MVP voting twice. Uh, he never won an MVP, which could be up for debate with certain mm-hmm. seasons he had. But regardless, um, his career batting line is 310 batting average, 260 homers, 1,311 RBIs, 817 OPS, and 358 stolen bases over 20 years. Um, Damn. <clears throat> there's not much bad. You can't say anything bad, really, about Derek Jeter's career. He was always out there giving it his all. Um, he always wanted to get better, and he always took – he knew that everything was about the fans. And, you know, that's what he said a lot in the speech, um, thanking the fans and stuff like that. Hmm. He said something pretty funny too. He was like, "Thanks to all the writers for voting for me, except the one that didn't, whoever that was." Um, so That's you give him a little. I, I, I won't even. I won't even give him the time like, of day. I won't even talk about it. Forget it. Probably just to get people to talk about it. Exactly. Why. So we will so, refuse to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, he's got three thousand four hundred sixty-five hits. Um, I think that is sixth all time on the list. Okay. Um, you know, obviously we've got some greats right now that are climbing up there. I think Albert is at about 14 or 13 on the list right now. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, listen, if you're sixth all time in hits, you did something right. So, you know, um, he was great to watch. Obviously I only really remember watching the 2009 world series, but I've obviously seen highlights of the ones prior. But, um, man, I remember that World Series against the Phillies pretty vividly, and he was great the whole time. So, uh, oh yeah, good for I him, mean, man. It was awesome to see. I remember when he got 3,000 hits it was on the radio. Like, I remember the day it happened, um, yeah. listening to it. And then there was, of course, the the walk-off for uh, his yeah. last one. So, I mean, we could go on uh, with moments of his. But, yeah, really, really awesome career and a good guy, too. So Yeah. And hey, man, he's the Marlins CEO now, so he's kind of. You know, I that actually forgot about that. There. Like, no joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's cool though because I think he's trying to bring like the winning culture and stuff out there. Because let's face it, Miami's organization has never really had that. No. So obviously, Jeter's kind of started to bring that over. He's done it with guys like having Miguel Rojas, um, Jesus Aguilar, guys like that. Um, and like young guys like Jazz Chisholm and all them look up to him and they get to talk to him and stuff, which is pretty fucking cool too. imagine. That's like, cool. Yeah. You're playing right now and your boss is like Derek Jeter. Like, that's pretty cool. You know, it was pretty sick. <laughs> how long, how long ago did they buy the team? Like four years, five years? I think it was, well, it was the year before they traded everybody. So it must've been 2017. Okay. Because, yeah. like, remember, right when he came in, he traded Stanton, Trades. which was in a D. Gordon, everybody. So, uh, yeah. I think it was 2016 or 2017. Okay. Yeah. So, I guess too too early to tell on his yeah his tenure there. But, but we'll see. Maybe he does yeah. change the culture a little bit. Yeah. Um, one guy I, I thought it would be cool to talk about, too. Um, less of a household name. Larry Walker, though. So... His uh, seven-year, seventeen-year career, most of it was like before our time. He retired in two thousand five, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But um, some sick numbers with Colorado, though. 
Um, yeah. I know Coors, the argument's like, oh, Coors, like, inflates your stats. It's true, but I, I watched a video. I don't know if you ever watched, like, Foolish Baseball. Um, yeah, I've seen I've, yeah. He did a whole video about Larry Walker's case and how good his stats actually were on the road. So I don't I actually don't have yeah. those with me. But, but I, um, needless, I, they were the still is, good. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. His stats on the road were fantastic. Um, like, it, I think it was close to, like, Instead of being like a 330 hitter at home, he was like a 280 hitter on the road or like 290 or something. Yeah. Like he still had the same OPS, a little bit lower, I think. But yeah, I mean, also, he's one of the last guys that we're going to see get inducted anywhere that was played for Montreal because oh, he did true. play it's six years too. there. And like, obviously, we're running out of time for guys that played for Montreal to be getting yeah. inducted into the hall of fame he was drafted by montreal and i thought that was pretty cool too because he is canadian um, okay so that I didn't obviously know that. had to have been like a dream of his either to play for them or for the blue jays so uh, yeah no absolutely yeah but i mean like his career stats are pretty fucking good 313 batting average 383 383 home runs 1311 rbis which is ironically the exact same amount of rbis that jeter had so that's kind of really? strange. Yeah. That's funny, um, huh? That's very weird. But um, 965 OPS, 230 stolen bases. So he wasn't just a power guy. Even though he was a big home run hitter, he was pretty good on the base pads. Um, and obviously he was great in the field too because he won seven gold gloves. Um, hmm. Two with Montreal uh, and then five with Colorado. Think about it. To win five gold gloves in a field as big as Colorado, you got to be pretty damn good. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. I yeah, I actually was not yeah. as familiar with this glove, honestly. Um, yeah. Um, he also won an MVP, which, like I said, Jeter didn't. He won the MVP in '97 hmm. with Colorado. Um, I mean, dude, his stats that year were pretty ridiculous. Um, he hit 366 with 49 home runs, 130 RBIs and a 1.172 OPS, along with 33 stolen bases. So that year, he led the league in home runs, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, and total bases. So, I mean, that's a season we may not see for a really long time from anybody, no, even if you're playing in Colorado. That's um, crazy. Also, first Rockies player ever in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, first player to ever wear a Rockies uniform at any point in his career in the Hall of Fame, yeah. Huh. So that's uh, pretty cool, too. I feel like, well, I guess now that I think of it, I guess that kind of makes sense. But Yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I guess I'm still kind of surprised. <laughs> I feel like there have been some good players that have even played there for like a year that you would have thought maybe would be in the Hall of Fame. But True, true. I feel like just because it's not an old franchise, I feel like maybe that's the case there, too. But um, I feel like this kind of breaks the barrier of like the Colorado stigma a little bit, too. Because, mm. yeah, like, does it improve your numbers? Sure. But, like, he didn't choose to, like, I don't remember if he signed there or if he got traded there. But regardless of what he did, like, it's a field that's in the MLB. So, you know, you can't fault a guy for playing there. Like, it's kind of ridiculous to me that you're going to punish a guy for playing in a field that's in the same field of play as everywhere else. So well, Right, yeah. And also, like we said, his numbers on the road are but pretty freaking good. Yeah. So I mean, and like his his numbers in Montreal and St. Louis are pretty good too. Like he played hmm. eight years somewhere else, so like he was still good other places. So, um, yeah. I mean, he was also in his last year of eligibility too. So I think that it was cool that the writers 
saw okay. that huh. he should have gotten in because like you need 75% of the vote or whatever to get in and he, you're only available on the ballot I think for 10 years right I think yeah that's what it is and so it took so him he 10 was past years? This, like this whole time yeah. wow mm-hmm. and um there were still so many people that were like against him too he got 76.6% of the vote and you need 75 so like good for some of the writers to realize this but there were still so many that didn't want him in for some reason and like mm. i just don't understand that really I, um, yeah no I, I don't i feel like it shouldn't have been that close but yeah i mean good on him so congrats derek yeah larry so we'll see i have to. i don't even know what the ballot's looking like for next year we'll have to, we'll have to look at it at some point well man we're gonna talk about that at some point over the winter because we're gonna have bonds and clemens pretty soon they're gonna get off it so true we're gonna i have to have a conversation about that i'm i'm point. actually interested in that because i'm not sure yeah. we feel the same way about that so well, yeah, that'll we'll be touch a, back in a little conversation. Bit. Yeah. All right. So we're going to dive into now a little what it seems or not what it seems. So a guy I want to talk about, probably not the biggest household name at this point. He's only played two big league seasons and his rookie year was the shortened season. So he's only played about 155 total games so far in his career. But we're going to talk about Ryan Mountcastle on the Orioles. Um, have you heard of him? I have, although I just know nothing about him now. Yeah, so this dude is pretty good so far in his career. Um, like I said, about 155 total games so far. He's got a 299 batting average, 30 homers, 98 RBIs, and an 843 OPS. So hmm. although that's over two seasons, that's pretty much a full season's worth yeah, of games. Of full... huh. I mean, good. dude, that's like close to MVP type numbers, to be honest. I know he's on Baltimore, so he ain't going to get many votes, but um, still, I mean, he's been a solid player. Um, And when you compare some stats of his to like, let's say like barrel percentage or like hard hit percentage, stuff like that, um, his stats are comparable to guys like this year, like Dansby Swanson, who we talked about last week. They're pretty similar in that aspect. Willie Adamas, too. We've talked about him before on here, how he's having a good season. And Mitch Hanniger is a great player. Um, those are three guys he really compares a lot to with, like, launch angle, his hard hit rate, all stuff like that. So, okay. to me, that kind of leads me to believe that, that he's probably pretty legit. But um, he also hits the ball hard, man. Like I said, um, his max exit velo this season is in the top 6% of the league. So, hmm. playing in a place like Baltimore – Hitting the ball that hard is going to lead to a lot of home runs. So uh, let's yeah. be honest about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think – I don't know if you've seen him hit much, but he looks like he's pretty disciplined at the plate too. He doesn't strike out okay. like a ton either. Yeah, he was – that's funny. He was actually really not on my radar at all. But, I mean, yeah. with all the stats you're saying, with the barrel percentage, hard hit percentage, max exit velo, you know, like obviously like these are pretty like advanced statistics. Um, right. And like they only mean so much, but like it means he's making very good contact. It's like he's not just um, – he's, he's not getting cheap hits. So, yeah, no. I kind of buy it. I just looked it up real quick. He's 24. So, like he right. – I, I actually would have thought he was older. So, yeah. Um, I yeah, I buy it. Those are those are really good numbers, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, if you look at like the Orioles starting to rebuild, like yeah, they have one of the worst records in the league, but they got some pieces now, dude. Like if you're yeah. looking at their team, and like I think they've kind of found the core for their rebuild now. They have Mount Castle, Cedric Mullins is having an absolutely unbelievable. I'm big season. on Cedric, man. 
He's a beast. Um, obviously, John Means is pitching like an ace the whole season. Um, yeah. So he's a stud. And Adley Rushman hasn't even made his debut yet, and he's like the number one catching prospect. I think he's the number one prospect overall in the hmm. league. Okay. So, I mean, maybe we see a September call-up for him. Not sure. Probably not. I would say he's going to wait to come up until next season, but he could be the starting catcher next season. If they got those guys there, I mean, that's a pretty good starting point to start to come back from the rebuild, in my opinion. Um, right. I mean, you also I, – I forgot about Mancini, too. Yeah, so I feel like what's interesting, though, is that we've talked about Mancini. Like, we talked about him before the trade deadline and stuff like that. Yeah. So he's a free agent after next season. So also, Ryan Mountcastle plays the same positions as him. Like, we've seen mm. Trey Mancini play the corner outfield, first base, and DH, and Mountcastle does the same thing. So obviously, they have room for them both to be in the lineup because, like, one plays the outfield one day and one plays first or something. But right. being Mancini is going to be an up-and-coming free agent. Do you think that this, because he's been playing so good, Mountcastle, I mean, that this means they would look to trade Trey Mancini more just to try to get more back? Or do they try could to extend they. him? I mean, I, I guess if you wanted to make the argument, you could say that Mancini's older, so he's not really on the same timeline as right. Mountcastle, Rushman, Means. So I, I guess you could make the argument. I would. What I think is important, though, in a rebuild is like to have a veteran there that's true yeah you know what i mean like i think like that's why the tigers didn't really look to trade miggy that much even though his contract had something to do with it but like still i think like having miggy there right now with all these young guys who are starting to actually show up is like pretty helpful because imagine having a guy like miguel cabrera to talk to or like trey mancini isn't at miguel cabrera's level but like obviously he's been around now for a while no the point Um, and he's a great player it's like you know i think after what he went through with the cancer stuff too, um, and that the Orioles backed him up with everything, they were really good with everything. Yeah. If they gave him a decent deal, I think he might take it because I think he likes that city and the team too. So, you know, Loki, that could be an interesting team next year. I think you've just got to find pitching around <coughs> around John Means. But other than that, like the offense, yeah, is kind of solid, honestly. Like they got some pieces. Like I mean, I've seen them obviously a lot because they play the Yankees a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just have, like, they have a solid offense, really. And, like, you know, Cedric Mullins really is an MVP candidate. And no one's talking about that because of how bad Baltimore is. But, yeah. I mean, dude, he has more homers than, like, a lot of guys that you'd think would have more than him. I, I think, what does he have right now? Like, 33? I don't know how many homers Mullins has, but it's it's up there in the league lead, I think, so. I believe not it. close to like oh, not close to Otani and them, but like he's pretty no right, there, I right. Think, so and I mean honestly, just going a little bit into the future, I guess Baltimore's timeline does kind of line up because with the rest of the division, because obviously that division is so freaking good right now. So you know they could like there's no point of them trying to compete in the next like two years, maybe even three. But after yeah. that, I mean, you I would think you know Boston's gonna get older. I guess Toronto might be up there, but you never know what the Rays are going to be. So, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Just put some pitching around means. I guess yeah. a competitive team. Yeah. I mean, you remember the years. Obviously, we both remember the years where it was Detroit and Baltimore were the top dogs in the AL. Oh, yeah. And it seems like it was forever ago now, but we may that see that cool within thing. the next five years at some point from both of them. So, I think that yeah, Detroit. Pretty, uh, Detroit's actually looked decent. Pretty, like, their pitching has looked great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... 
So you might see a repeat of history. Be interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, so to move on a little bit, I want to get into some a player on the Yankees that we've talked about a lot. Um, I want to get into Giancarlo Stanton, but I want to get into his play as DH compared to his play in the field when he plays the field. Okay. Um, so because yeah, we is this what it seems or... if we like his should he play outfield should he stand the age does that affect his batting so yeah we've we've had this conversation so i'm curious yeah to, to right. build on a little bit yeah so i kind of like went deeper into the numbers here and looked at his actual stats when he plays each outfield position whether it's left or right okay. and then his stats as dh <clears throat> since 2018 so since 2018 when he first joined the yankees because obviously when he was in miami there was no dh so Right. I'm only looking at it from this perspective. Um, so since 2018, Stanton has played 53 games in right field, 50 games in left field, and 207 games as a DH. So obviously there's a little bit of a skewed number standpoint there, but um, looking at it from those games since 2018, as a right fielder, he's hit 268, 13 homers, 32 RBIs, and an 847 OPS. So okay. – Again, the RBIs and the home runs are skewed a little bit. Um, as a left fielder, he's hit 329, 10 homers, also 32 RBIs, and a 1.033 OPS. So, mm. honestly, it looks like his best numbers, OPS, and average standpoint is from left field. Right. Um, and then when you look at his DH numbers, this is very eye-opening to me. His DH numbers, average and OPS, are 213 batting average. And a 7-11 OPS. Hmm. Um, he still has the power and RBI numbers, 48 homers, 132 RBIs. But that's pretty much all he shows. Like, he doesn't right. get on base much as a DH, oddly enough, which is a little strange. Hmm. Um, but I thought it was interesting to kind of put these numbers, like the home run and RBI numbers, like into a 162 game like simulation thing. So like it's okay. all even. <clears throat> so when I did that, his right field numbers would be a 268 batting average, 39 home runs, 97 RBIs, and the same OPS. Um, the left field would be 32 home runs, 103 RBIs. And then as a DH, putting those into 162 games would be 39 homers, 107 RBIs. So when you look at it like that, those numbers are all pretty similar. They're all about the same, yeah. Um, but then the biggest issue is the batting average and the OPS. Right. So, like, I even though the RBI total is at the highest when he's DHing over 162, yeah, he doesn't get on base much. Like, I would take a guy that hits that has 103 RBIs and hits 329 over a guy that hits 213 with 107 RBIs. Yeah, because that means he's getting on base other ways. He may be scoring more runs for your team. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, it's interesting. I just thought that that was way low, the OPS and the batting average. For a guy that you want to be your everyday player, I mean. That's a big difference. To me, it's kind of like a correlation is not causation, causation type of thing. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? I don't. Like, like, let's say he just moves to right field and goes on a hot streak and that really skews his number. Like, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to word this. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know how much of it is cause and effect, but 
regardless, it's still a big difference. So I'm curious if he actually yeah. stayed in the outfield um, and played the same number of games as that DH number you said. How would be? I mean, look, if you look back, though, like before 2018, before he was like full-time DH type player, whatever the yeah. fuck you want to say, like he played a total of 941 games in right field. And his averages over those years were 118 games played. So he did get hurt still, but that's yeah. not like he got, he gets hurt more as a Yankee, honestly, when he's DHing. But his numbers over that time was a 267 batting average, 33 bombs, 82 RBIs, and a 911 OPS. So, I mean, that OPS is pretty good. Um, and I mean, it's not like he was a bad player when he played the outfield this often. Um, no. During that time, he was a four-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, and he won the 2017 NL MVP playing 155 games in the outfield that year. So, you know, I mean, it's not like he hasn't been good either. So that's what I like to look at too. You yeah. obviously remember those because the Marlins played the Mets all the time. Right, right. I guess, they, yeah, so I guess the question then becomes like where do you keep him? I feel like – yeah, I mean, obviously these numbers say keep him in the outfield. And, like, based on your roster construction, I feel like you have to. I feel like you just have so many of these big, like, clunky guys <laughs> that, like, yeah. that almost need that DH, almost like a Luke Voigt. So if you put Stanton right. in there, like, then you're just blocking it for other people. So, I mean, that's interesting. Again, I don't know how much of it's cause and effect, but just still, I, right. I feel like it's kind of the case to keep him in the outfield. Like, give it a shot at least. I just feel like it's like out of necessity, you have to. And like, then when you look at these numbers, it's like, well, it's not even just out of necessity. Like, right, exactly. He's also a good player in the outfield. But like you said, Voight needs to play. We've talked mm-hmm. about this before. He's the home run champion from last year. He's a great hitter. Um, you can't be sitting him because you have to DH Stanton, who is probably one of the most athletic guys on the field at all times. And then right. you're going to stick him at DH. It's not like. It's not like he's big poppy. He could play the field. Like Stanton's oh, a good yeah, he's a great athlete. He has a great arm. Um, like there were times where he was in Gold Glove Award consideration in Miami. I don't think he ever won one, but like he was in yeah. the conversation for sure. So it's not like he's a liability out there either. Like just hitting aside, he's a good fielder. So right. Um, and he's, it'll I, be I interesting. Say, I, I say this. I don't believe in jinxes, so I'll say this. But he stayed healthy this year so far. And, like, I don't know, maybe he's figured something out. <laughs> well, in my opinion, dude, honestly, I, we've talked about this a little bit, but, like, I think de-aging means that you're less stretched out during the game and you're more oh, likely okay. to pull a hamstring when you're running the bases. So I think that he's also mm. been playing better since he's in the field because he's just moving more. And, like, he's he's actually, like, running more in the field. Like, I feel like, too, it also helps your mindset because you're not just going back to the dugout after you strike out and being like, oh, man, I struck out, and thinking about it for three innings. You're going to go out to the field and make some plays and kind of get your mind off of what just happened. And, like, the worst thing you could do as an athlete is to, like, overthink something that just happened because then you're going to do it again. You know, that's funny. I've never thought about how much time a DH spends in the dugout. Yeah. He really just sits there about like 90% of the time. I've never thought of that. But yeah, I guess that's the case with him a little bit. Yeah. And that's why it's crazy, though, that like some guys are built to do it, though. Like David Ortiz did it for how long? Like Nelson. Right. No, he made it work. Yeah. But 
yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I feel like it's something you got to get used to. And if you're good enough to play the field, I feel like you just got to get out there instead of over, like, just sitting there like, oh, man, I looked like an idiot up that whatever you're thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, these numbers don't lie. I know it might not have to do with it completely, but I think the Yankees, if they're smart, they're going to keep putting them out there because uh, it's better overall for the team. So, yeah, agreed. Obviously, like at this point in the year, you kind of look at who's hot and who's not. Like, let's face it, the Yankees are two and eight in their past ten, and the Blue Jays are nine and one. So that's why the standings are what they are, and the Blue Jays have beaten us three of the first games of our series. We're supposed mm-hmm. to play tonight. May get rained out, so I actually would prefer that because I think we need a breather before the Mets series. But um, regardless of that. I think it's really interesting that the Mariners are still there. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think, uh, yeah. like, they're they're ahead of Oakland in the standings right now. Like, <clears throat> they're legitimate. Like, somehow, I mean, I don't know. I still don't see a world where they're in that second spot. But, like, they're keeping it interesting for sure. Bro, imagine that game becomes, like, Toronto-Seattle for the wild card. <laughs> I love Man. that'd be fantastic. I mean, no, obviously, like I want like, <laughs> it suck for you guys, but like, yeah. damn, talk about I don't know, just like such an underdog, small market matchup. I, mean, I guess probably that small market, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, especially because um, like Seattle has the postseason drought or whatever, so right. Cool. Um, especially if they like were ahead of Oakland too, again, because like Oakland was supposed to be pretty close to the Astros in this division race. So, um, right. Yeah. I, I, I forget, but I, I may have even had Oakland winning the division by like a game or two over Houston. I don't remember though, but, um, we thought it was be pretty close, but hasn't, yeah. I, I mean, like we, Seattle's closer than Oakland. So, um, right. And then, yeah, and like know, Seattle, been... Seattle's been hot too, by the way. Seattle's seven and three over their past ten, so hmm. they've been hot as well. So, as 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 you say that, I want to just briefly get into, um, like one one thing about Seattle and Toronto. So Toronto is run differential is a plus one hundred and forty three, so that's like <laughs> better than the White Sox. That's about a hundred runs better than the Yankees. So like. I don't. I, I know we said this a lot. I think they're legit. Like the like that yeah. I think is a really good statistic for if you're legit or not. And then on the flip side, Seattle is minus fifty three. So if if you want to make the case against Man. them, like there you go. Like they, that's kind of fraudulent. Bro, the fact that that's what their run differential is, and they're still this close, it doesn't even make sense. Like. I don't even They're understand. They're basically winning like every one run game, I would assume. Wow, yeah. I mean, I guess stranger things have happened, but that's if if a team makes the playoffs with a negative run differential, I don't know. Aside from last year, I don't know how often that's happened. Obviously last year there was like the expanded playoffs, but Right, right, right. Yeah. So, um We'll check back in well, next yeah. week see if it's changed. But and a wild card now. Still Dodgers first. I mean, well, they're 13, half, 13 and a half games above the second wild card. It's like, that's not, that's not true. Yeah. But no. San Diego, as we speak, 
is one game up on Cincinnati. Philly's three behind. So they're there. St. Louis is three and a half. And not that I should really mention them, but the Mets are four and a half. If you're wondering. Uh, they're, they're there, dude. They've been playing right, hot. Right, they're, sure. Yeah, they're there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Padres are such an interesting team to me. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you probably would have predicted the Dodgers and the Padres, one of them gets the top wild card and one gets the division. No one was th- saying anything about the Giants. Right. But obviously the Padres haven't been great. They're kind of streaky. They remind me of the Yankees, to be honest with you, like streaky-wise mm-hmm. this year for some reason. Um, <clears throat> but the Reds, man, I still believe in the Reds. Um you they know, I, I was going great. I was gonna say, I feel like we've been high in the Reds all year, but they've really wasted this opp- opportunity now to make up ground. Like this <laughs> has been about three weeks now, or mm, maybe like two weeks or so, that they've been yeah. like a game behind, two games behind, and they've really done nothing with it. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like even last week when we recorded, they were they had the second spot. Like they've yeah. they've had that second spot a few times and they haven't really like gone away with it. Um, they're the three and seven in the last ten. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I have more confidence now in San Diego than I did like a week ago, two weeks ago. So yeah, Lake um, Snell's obviously better too. Right. That's that's what we said last week. If they need to do anything, Snell's got to look better. And, and now he he's has. what? Yeah. He's almost thrown a no hitter like twice. <laughs> um, Figured yeah, something. I know. mean. But, like, going back to the NL East teams, like you and the Phillies, you're not that far out. I mean, I do think you both have a better shot of the division than the wild card. Um, yeah. Because the Phillies are two and a half out of the Braves right now, and then you guys are four. Which really, with, what do we got, probably three weeks to go, like, four games is not insurmountable, or, like, by any means. You guys could be there. Because um, you have... Ever since the Baez stuff happened, you guys have been playing better. Honestly. Isn't it funny how the world Um, works like that? I mean, hey, it's almost like giving you guys better vibes somehow. And, uh, you know, I mean, right now it's like you're 70 and 70, but, like, it doesn't feel like you're 70 and 70, like, record-wise. Like, I I just feel like you have a better record than that. I don't know why, but, like, maybe it's because you were at first the whole season. I really don't know. I guess so. Um. I yeah I don't know man we beat up on the Nationals a little bit we've taken some from the Marlins like it's like they've looked better but like yeah I don't know I, I don't have a ton of confidence I, Jake is apparently still on the way back I I don't even know at this point like if it's worth it but yeah I don't know so, man I mean I think like like we've talked about the Phillies have the easiest schedule but it's true. Yeah, but they've done nothing like, with it. I, I don't know. They've looked a no, they <laughs> like they've they, they're such a weird team because they play these shitty teams. And they always lose. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's Atlanta. I, I think Atlanta has it, but that's that's me. So yeah, we're gonna um, move over a little bit to uh, some injury updates. So, Garrett Cole left uh, game on this past Tuesday with the left hamstring strain. So, I mean, yeah, man. I mean, it was scary. I was watching the game and I was like, oh, like he, he went to the trainers like to come out. Right. So he knew something was up. I was just hoping that it wasn't an arm injury, which it's not. Oh yeah. So that's better. Um, but like hamstrings, 
are never good. So, you know, we really got to be careful with him here. Obviously, you know, you want him back because you need to make the postseason, but you also don't want to rush him back and then have him not be able to start the wild card game. So it's kind mm-hmm. of uh, interesting. It's like a fragile situation because if if we don't have him for the wild card game, we have other good pitchers, but that would be yeah, way tougher. Yeah, but I don't know how much I trust those other guys. I mean, kind of, but like I, I think that if if for some reason Cole isn't available, you got to go Tyone, and mm-hmm. then you got to have every single guy in the bullpen ready to go at any moment because right. you know. But also with us, we got another injury. Jonathan Luizago was just placed on the ten day IL with a right shoulder strain. Um, I think we've talked about him a little bit. Uh, not what it seems at some point this year. Right. Um, he's probably been like our best reliever this year because Chapman's okay. been up and down. Um, yeah. yeah. So that one kind of sucks too because we already have Britain out and now Loisaga and with Chapman not having his best stuff, that's kind of a thin bullpen now. So we, uh, we're we hoping that he's back before the end of the season, but we really don't know yet. So. Yeah. I mean, guys like – I mean, thank God for guys <laughs> like Nestor. As far as oh, man. nasty Nestor, man, I love Nestor. <laughs> no, nah, me too. He's awesome. So hopefully they can yeah. hold down the fort at least while yeah. Garrett and the wise are gone. Um, yeah. Shifting to LA, King Kirsch could return for uh, for the Dodgers after he made a rehab start two days ago, so he could be back um, for his next turn in the rotation. So I mean, it's it's a like they. I don't say they need it. Like, they're the Dodgers. But, like, still, like, <laughs> after Walker and Scherzer, Urias, like, it does get a little thin back there, I guess. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it'll only help to get Scherzer back, basically. So, I mean, to get Kershaw back. Um, right. It'll only help. It's not like it's going to be a bad thing. So, I mean. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I just mean it's like, freaking, it's an embarrassment already. So. Hey, maybe a Kershaw return boost them up into the first place. You never know. I could see it. Yeah. So, and then uh, Kyle Lewis shut down after the remainder of the season. So, it's a blow for. I, I, actually, I don't even have. I didn't put the injury there. I'm not sure exactly what it was. But um, it was. Um, I think it was his knee. I think he has like a contusion on his knee or something. His knee. Um, I mean, yeah. What, what's, it's crazy that Seattle is still where they are again without Lewis playing most of the season, too, because. He was arguably their best. Like, obviously, he won Rookie of the Year last year. Like, he's a great player. So, you know, honest question: like, who who plays for the Mariners? Like, I really <laughs> well, don't know. Like, other than like, Kyle Seager, I'm like Kyle Seager is actually having a great season. Okay, if you look at his numbers, but um, like they have J.P. Crawford, um, Ty France, I think. Ah, Ty is France, the guy yeah. they have. Right. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm not not too sure. So no, I mean, be, good uh, on him. Like that. That's like the classic like race <laughs> yeah. team video when like you win with like Man Choi and Joey Wendell. <laughs> right. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, God bless it. Yeah, man, keep it going. No, yeah, and uh, give me a series you're looking forward to this week. Um. Well, speaking of Seattle, man, I'm I'm looking forward to Boston playing Seattle in. Seattle Monday through Wednesday um, because look I mean let's say Seattle goes out there and fucking sweeps Boston 
I mean, dude, that would be kind of interesting because I mean, I don't know. I I could see it. Boston, I could totally see that. Boston happening. could also knock them out though. If Boston sweeps them, I mean, Seattle's chances it would be way lower. So it'll be an interesting series. Um, <clears throat> I think it helps Seattle that they're at home too, because uh, you know, obviously Seattle's kind of in the middle of nowhere up there in the Pacific Northwest, and right. um, it's a long flight for Boston. So. We'll see. I mean, I think it'll be an interesting series, though, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to go... I mean, the obvious answer is the Subway Series. The Friday right. Friday through Sunday at City Field. Um, but just for, um, for just to change it up, I'll go Reds-Cardinals. Because of that race, Cardinals are probably out of it. But like we said, the Reds, the Reds need this. Like, the push is right now, and they're a game out. Yeah. So, if that's in St. Louis. So, see if they can make up some ground. Yeah, that'll be a good series. Obviously, uh, St. Louis, I think, is about three and a half out of the wild card, like we said, too. So, like, they're not dead yet. Oh, yeah, um, they can make they, – if they win I this mean, series, yeah. like, they're right. So, there, um, so. yeah, that'll be a good series. And then give us, uh, give us a stat of the week. What do you got this week? Okay, well, the stat of the week this week is kind of going to piggyback the one we said last week because – Juan Franco is still getting on base, and he Jeez. has currently passed Mickey Mantle, who was second on the list. So, for anyone who doesn't remember, this streak is getting on base for a player age 20 or younger. And okay. so now, as of today, well, yeah, as of today, the Rays play later, I think, so he might extend it later on. But he has been on base now for 38 straight games. Mantle's record was 36. And wow. he has to reach base in six more games to surpass Frank Robinson's 43. So that would be six more games in a row. And then he would hold the record. I guarantee so, it gets broken tonight. Like, we're going to release this, and the streak will be yeah. huge. I guess always how yeah. it works. But no, it I wouldn't mean, really surprise me. But no, but no, regardless of that, yeah. that's yeah, that's crazy. 38 straight, huh? I mean, if you just think about these names like Mickey Mantle, Frank Robinson, um, you know, like if he keeps this up 40 years from now, we might be talking about Wander Franco the same way, because if he's doing what he's doing, he's about to have a fantastic career. So he's lived up to the hype, man. He's looked really good. Um, There's a big reason why the Rays are doing what they're doing, to be honest with you. And like. It's crazy that the Rays were able to trade Willie Adamas, a guy who meant so much to that clubhouse, right? For to put in Franco as the everyday shortstop, and not even lose a beat, and and have Adamas has been like great in Milwaukee too. So like the trade worked out both ways. Um, yeah, that's true. It is a trade that, you, that does go, huh? I mean, it's, yeah. I guess Franco. We always talk about how the Rays like is no name, it's just a bunch of no names. Franco might break that. Like he might finally be like that, like the kind of. Yeah, so everyone knows. I feel like he's the closest thing to Evan Longoria that they've had since him. And I mean, he may even surpass, like, Evan Longoria was probably the most well known Ray ever, but I think that Franco definitely has a chance to do this, especially let's say the Rays open up the checkbook for him. Like, they're not usually going to do that, but for a guy like this, I don't see how you'd let him go. Yeah, I feel like you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that. That wraps up for us. We'll be back next week. And for all the New Yorkers, enjoy the Subway Series. And uh, take care. Yep. See you guys next week.